Alrighty, time to get into the meat of today's episode. And we'll start with a bit of an addendum to our uh, third anniversary episode. There are a couple things that I didn't get to mention that I'll talk about here uh, right after the anniversary episode. And then we'll close out that lovely, lovely anniversary. Thank you for watching me for so long. Uh, but yeah, last week we talked about America becoming a civilization and how I believe population growth will basically do that for us. And I call for growth specifically of the American population from within and to 1 billion people. I advocated for America to have a population of a billion people and for those people to be born and raised here. Because I argued that if those people are born and raised here, then over a long enough period of time, you don't have to deal with the assimilation of foreign peoples that they're born and raised here. So they are from the ground up Americans. And then you have this expansion of population, the expansion of people who are who know only one culture, which is the American culture, the American way of doing things, America's religions, Americans put political traditions. And so if you expand that pool of people who only know America to a billion people, you can rapidly accelerate the evolution of America from a nation state to a civilization. Uh, essentially off the back of the fact that you can never truly wipe uh, a country of a billion people off the face of the earth. You would need nuclear weapons to do that. And so the, well, there's a number of security uh, benefits that come with having such a massive population. Uh, but that was sort of the core premise of my argument when I was talking, because I, I was heavy on population, but I don't think I sort of articulated well enough as to how exactly that would turn us into a civilization. It's all, it's all about people. It's all about people. A civilization is the people who live within it, their culture, their religion, magnified over time. And I think that expanding the population to a billion people would rapidly accelerate the timetables for us becoming a civilization. Uh, but yeah, then the fact that we could never be wiped off the face of the earth, uh, this government of by and for the people, we have issues right now, but you know, the, the premise of a government of by and for the people with a population of a billion people behind that premise, behind the, the constitution and the declaration of independence, the federalist papers, you have a billion people to back those things up who know only one culture, one government, one way of governing, one political tradition, you can rapidly accelerate the timetable for becoming a civilization. And if once you reach such ridiculous highs in terms of the number of people, you can never be wiped off the face of the earth. So even if we have to wait longer before America truly becomes a, a civilization, however exactly that term is defined, I can define it how I want, but however that term is defined, if, if you have a billion people, well, you have you have all the time in the world. You're never going to go anywhere. So you will inevitably become a civilization precisely because you can never be wiped out. So that was the core premise of my argument. I, I was heavy on the population and how we can expand to a billion people, but I don't think I uh, articulated enough as to how exactly reaching this ridiculous number of people would help us become a civilization. And that's how. It's all about people. It's all about culture. It's all about religion. 
So if you grow up here, you only know American culture. You only know American religion. You only know America. Which means that your culture is going to be by default American. And that's how you build a civilization. You build it from the ground up through births, not through immigration. And I went over the problems of immigration uh, in the anniversary episode. So again, watch that. But yeah, you, you'll end up with a unique culture that creates that when you combine with religion, it'll create a civilization. And I forgot to include as well how America has its own unique denominations of the Christian faith on top of that, because I completely I actually I left out the religious part because I was so all in on the population. But we are we have Mormonism, Presbyterianism, Southern Baptist, and that's just to name a few. We have multi multiple denominations of the Christian faith that are exclusive to America just about. Uh, the old world has, you know, Protestantism, Catholicism, and East Orthodox. Well, Orthodoxy. Uh, East Orthodox, I'm thinking of civilization, because that's what they call it. But yeah. And then they have the, the Roman Catholic, specifically, the Anglican Church. You have the Lutheran Church. And then, of course, you have the Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, and even Ukraine Orthodox, because they, you know... They don't like being associated with Russia anymore. But yeah, you have those are the religious sects of Christianity. Those are the denominations of Christianity that are, that are dominant in the West and the rest of the West, I should say. And then we have our own completely separate denominations of that same faith. And given the role that religion plays in a civilization, especially in the creation of a civilization, that cannot be discounted. That cannot be discounted at all, especially when you consider that America is on average more religious than the rest of the West, with the exception of, well, Russia. <laughs> so, yeah, this massive contributing factor, there's also distance, we're 3,000 miles away from Europe, and so it's inevitable that if Russia is a different entity from the rest of the West, then it is inevitable that we will become completely different from the West as well. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to be Western. Well, it'll take a, a long time for us to evolve into a truly, truly different civilizational distinction. But a civilization that is Western, that is inevitable. Just like how Russia is a Western civilization, we will become a Western civilization. Uh, it's, it's an inevitability. And it's not just the distances, it's not just the religious aspect, it's a number of other things as well. Because on top of that, uh, on top of what I spoke about in the anniversary episode of uh, the segment, and again, go watch it, because uh, I'm building off of that, I'm not clarifying too much what I said, I'm building off of what I said. Um, but on top of what I said in the anniversary episode, another major contributing factor to America becoming its own civilization is the increasingly different demographic makeup of the United States. Because no other Western nation has, to not to the same degree as the United States, these ethnicities, Blacks, Africans, and yes, there's a difference, Blacks, Africans, Asians, Arabs, and above all, Hispanics. You will not find Hispanics in most other Western countries. You can find Arabs, you can find Asians, you can find Africans and uh, some Blacks. And again, there's a difference. 
then you, you can you can thank slavery for that but it's a reality there is a difference you can find them there but you're not going to find hispanics uh you can find you can find the spanish but we're we're not really talking about that <laughs> they don't count <laughs> but yeah you're not going to find these same ethnicities and you're certainly not going to find them in the same variety or the same number like we'll just we'll just take blacks for example just run with blacks and so bear with me here these numbers are going to blow your mind blacks make up 13 percent of america's population and about three to four percent of the uk because they're the most comparable to us aside from france but the french don't bother to differentiate between the ethnicities of the french living there if you're a french citizen you're a french citizen uh a good and bad thing of the french revolution so the uk it's about three to four percent blacks and african descent united states is 13 percent so we have a, a larger percent of a larger population is black and they have a smaller percent of a smaller population is black and they're about as comparable to the united states as it's going to get aside from maybe canada uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be part of us anyway. You, Canada's going to be part of us anyway. So, yeah, we don't need to count. <laughs> but yeah, so that's 40.1 million non-Hispanic blacks and 47 million self-identified blacks when we're looking at the United States. So 40 million non-Hispanic blacks, 47 million self-identified blacks in the United States. And then for comparison, about 2.5 million total blacks in the uk 40 million 2.5 million I, I think you can see the difference there but now let's think about what that means because it means that this even even if we're just taking the 41 million figure it means that there are more black people in america than the total populations of every other Western country, save for like five, Germany, Italy, France, Spain, and the UK itself. And that's just looking at non-Hispanic blacks because there, there are a number of different uh, metrics that measure the number of blacks in America, which is why we're in with these two. Non-Hispanic blacks, 41 million, uh, that is bigger than the populations of every other Western country, except for the five I just mentioned, Germany, Italy, France, Spain, and the UK. But if you go with the 47 million figure for self-identified blacks, now the black population of America is dead even with Spain's total population. At a moment in time when the Europeans are going into population declines, meaning that in perhaps two years, the total number of blacks, if we're running with that number, is going to be bigger than the population of Spain. The entire population of Spain is equal to or less than the population of blacks in the United States. And every other country in Europe doesn't even meet the 41 million mark. I mean, the 40.1 million mark, excuse me, for non-Hispanic blacks. That's huge. That's huge. And that's a minority. That And that's the crazy part. Not only is that huge, but that's a ethnic minority population of the United States beating out all of Europe nation by nation, just beating out all but five European nations, beating out five. If you run with the 47 million number, 
an ethnic minority in the United States has a greater bulk to them than every country in Europe, except for the five I mentioned, and of course Russia. I don't think I don't think I need to mention that. One. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes you pre-war Ukraine. You could add to the list as well, unless you're talking the forty-seven million number, in which case even pre-war Ukraine, who had a who nominally had about forty-five million people. Even they would fall short of the 47 number. They could beat the 40.1, but they can't beat the 47. So whichever number you run with, we're just bigger than the rest of Europe. As a minority group in the United States. And that's the key here. Because uh, this is a mass, that's a massive minority. Okay. That is a massive minority. And given how big the U.S. black population is and how culturally black culture is its own microcosm within the cultural machine that is the united states itself and black culture dominates american culture as a whole music films etc uh sports oh goodness sports black culture is a very prevalent force in american culture as a whole so you're talking about a minority group within America having a bigger cultural presence than every other country in Europe as a minority group to the bigger cultural behemoth that is the United States. And it's, it's crazy. But when you think about that, when you think about it in that way, because that's one hell of a way to think about it. When you think about it that way, it's, it's inevitable that the United States will become a, a completely separate entity from the rest of the West. I mean, the combination of blacks, mind you, that's 13%. The combination of blacks, whites, and Hispanics by themselves, not even counting all the other ethnicities in the United States, but these are the big ones. Asians are there too, and uh, they beat out in a good number of European countries, but we'll just, <laughs> we, we, we won't shit on Europe too much, but like the combination of those three alone, will in time create a culture far removed from that of any European nation. And in a way that Australia and New Zealand simply won't be able to replicate. And I'm not counting Canada because uh, at some point they're going to be a part of us and won't, uh, it won't really count. <laughs> That's, it's an inevitability. When you look at the demographics and the, the different scope, just the different magnitude that you're dealing with when you're looking at the US population compared to any other country in the West. I mean, Australia, uh, my goodness, Australia has fewer people than North Korea. That 20, 24 million and about 25 million in North Korea. And Australia is going into a population decline with a population smaller than North Korea. It's crazy. Like we're, we're just dealing with completely different calibers here. Uh, for whatever reason, the rest of the West just don't got population like that. They just don't have, like, as a collective, the EU has two and a half times our population. And I'm sure if you threw the Anglosphere together, uh, you could add, you, you could go all the way up to like three times our population. There's about 100 million or so people living in uh, the Anglosphere, not counting us. So you throw that on top of Europe, you, you can get about three times our population. But my goodness, compared country to country, 
you're smaller than a minority. You're smaller than a minority. So how, how does it make sense to assume that the United States is going to be one with the West when we have different demographics, different culture, and the, the microcosms of, of the minority groups within America have different cultures themselves that are far removed from Europe? Hispanics and Blacks especially. And these are dominant cultural forces within the United States. The Hispanics are coming up right now, but the Blacks are currently dominant, a dominant cultural feature of the United States. So when you get the mixture, the mixture of these, which is inevitably going to happen, the, the longer we live together, the more they're going to intertwine, at the very least, culturally speaking, interracial marriages are at an all-time high. On top of that, we're going to get another uniquely American ethnicity at some point in the future, just from all the interracial marriages. But the culture, on top of that, how can you make the assumption that the United States is going to be more like the West 100 years from now instead of less like the West 100 years from now? The trends just don't add up to us being one with the West. It's just not there. So that's a major piece of my argument as to us becoming our own civilization. The different, the difference of demographics and the breakdown of those demographics, <clears throat> the size and the scale of the demographics. It's like it's, it's just this ridiculous chasm between us and the next guy, which honestly is Russia. But even if we don't count Russia, it, Germany is only eighty million people and declining. Eighty million and declining. That's not even four time, a fourth of our population, not even a quarter of our population. And they're going into population decline. And we have on deck the Trump baby boom. And I think it'll succeed. I do not bet against Trump. I do not bet against El Donaldo. But my goodness, it's I think, uh, and again, maybe, maybe this is just me being different. You know, I, I see things very differently. I'm not like those other girls, but yes. The trends just don't add up to a singular unified West to me. Uh, certainly not one that includes the United States in that. And that's on top of thus using the, the term the West incorrectly. And I, I went over why I believe the term is used incorrectly in last week's anniversary segment and in the second anniversary episode when I talked about civilization states. So uh, two, a two for one deal there. But yes, it's uh, a civilization is the people who live in it. And our people are different in many, 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 many more ways than one from those of the rest of the West. So while we will be a Western civilization, we will be a different Western civilization a uniquely American civilization. That's what I believe. I also said in the episode, in the anniversary segment, that I believe we should annex Canada and Greenland to secure slash remove our northern border and gain access to all the land and resources necessary to keep America self-sufficient, uh, basically till the end of time, even with a population of a billion people or more. Even with a population of a billion people or more, if we have Canada and Greenland, we'll never want or need from anyone else. We'll be a massive country. So the 
and with a massive population to go along with that and complete self-sufficiency in every aspect arguments about oh this war over here is a danger to us all of that will just people will <laughs> people will go dude we have a billion people we're the size of the soviet union we have everything we need what are you talking about so the enlargement of the american state serves both the purposes of strategic security you know monroe doctrine getting foreign powers out because canada recognizes the british crown as their head of state greenland is still a colony of green of denmark we can't just let that slide and 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 100 years from now be the only continent that hasn't removed the european colonies from their are the european colonialists from our hemisphere that would be an embarrassment and it would eventually lead to a security threat because we're not always going to be allies with these countries you can't always be allies with a country britain and portugal are one thing and more often than not they don't even bother calling in that alliance it's just it's just there it's at this point it's a formality now maybe at some point in the future it'll gain some meaning again but to pretend that we're going to be allies with these countries forever is insane no alliance lasts forever so if canada recognizes the british crown as their head of state and greenland is a colony of denmark well at some point in time they're going to get active with their colonies again we cannot allow foreign powers foreign entities extra hemispheric powers to come into our hemisphere and do anything i don't care what they're doing then no it's certainly not with a colony this has got to go either they have to renounce their affiliation with these states and become independent truly independent or we have to take them and that's what i said but think about it this way if we take canada and greenland you serve the purpose of removing even the potential strategic threat because i i i like to think that i think ahead uh i talked about the un but if we're thinking ahead here and we're thinking about the eventuality that we're not going to be allies with Britain forever, we're not going to be allies with Denmark forever. So what happens when you're not allies? Oops, now there's a potentially hostile foreign entity in your hemisphere because you didn't deal with it when you had the chance. No. By taking Canada and Greenland, Trump tried to buy Greenland during his administration. I hope he revives those attempts again. By taking Canada and Greenland, you remove the northern border and you basically take everything to the north of our border that could even potentially be used as a staging ground for an attack or for influence operations against the United States. The British love their influence operations against the United States. They did it in World War I and World War II to sway public opinion in favor of getting in the war. So we can't have that. We cannot have that. That is a danger to our sovereignty that undermines our sovereignty. So removing that base of operations for British interference in our government and removing even the possibility that someone in Europe conquers Denmark and then, oops, Greenland is theirs now too. <coughs> no, no, that's just not in the question. Take those, you remove the even the potential for a strategic danger. Their populations are small, they're Western, and they live close to us. They have similar cultures to us anyway. The assimilation would be a lot easier than say if we were to annex Cuba. <laughs> It'd be, it'd be a lot easier than that. And plus, they don't have a lot of people. So if push comes to shove, you just outpopulate them. 
in the areas. Now, you could call that colonization. Sure. But is it worth it? Yes. Take Canada and Greenland. You ward off any potential dangers coming from the north at any point in the future. You gain access to all the territory, land, and resources that America will ever need. And by getting such massive territorial uh, gains and going along with a massive population boom in the United States, which I believe will occur, and is just another feature of American history is we have these massive population booms. You have those. Your self-sufficient resources, every resource at that point, Canada and Greenland are rich in resources that we don't know about and they don't know about because they can't extract them. And quite frankly, we have plenty of resources in the Rockies and probably the Appalachians too that we just don't know about. North America is rich. So if we have all of it, even if we don't have Mexico, we'll never want or need for anything. We'll have all the agricultural land of North America, meaning that we could better feed Greenland and the northern parts of Canada than they probably can for themselves. And we'd be a massive exporter, producer of everything, commodities, food, resources, energy, you name it. We would be a juggernaut and we would have no security threats because the only direction we would ever have to look in is our border with Mexico, especially once you get a deal with the Russians to basically partition the Arctic because then we'll have Alaska, all of Canada's northern territories and Greenland. So you get to deal with the Russians and that's just about it. Everyone else just has to conform because we said so. Because Russia's not going to lose Siberia. And then it's just a deal between us. Like, so you get that. And there's opportunities for resource extraction. There's opportunities for improving the lives of everyone involved. And I think that it would be a very useful necessity for warding off not just potential attack on the United States, as rare as those are, genuine attacks on the United States, having Canada and Greenland would ward off any potential of influence operations, sabotage, uh, espionage against us from the North. It would ward off the potential for other countries gaining access to the Great White North through whatever war they're fighting in Europe, and then they just happen to, oh, we beat Britain, so now they give us their colony. Oh, we beat Denmark, so now they give us their colony. You, you just ward that off. You know, it, 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 you just don't even, don't even let that be a possibility. So you defend America in that way, but you also defend America from itself by having this massive expansion of land and territory. Because when you're that big, when you, you have that many resources and you're using those resources, Keystone XL becomes an internal pipeline rather than an international pipeline. If you have that much land, that much resources, you're self-sufficient in everything, your population's going up and up and up and up and up, you reach a billion, why do you need an intervention again? So then you prevent America from having this interventionist impulse because you won't be able to sell the American people on the idea that what happens over there is necessary for their national security. Because at that point, it, it just becomes ridiculous. Like It's, it's ridiculous already. But at that point, it would be straight up absurd. It's like, okay, dude, we're, we're damn near the biggest country on the planet. If not, we are the biggest country on the planet, assuming Russia doesn't ever put the Soviet Union back together. Which they might, through the consent you know, of everyone except for Ukraine and the Baltics. But I mean, at that point, it's like, okay, dude, we're, we're the biggest, we're the second biggest, we're, we're one of the biggest countries on the planet. We are absolutely huge. We're self-sufficient in literally everything. 
why do you need to go bomb kids in Iraq? So not only would it serve the purpose of keeping us from being attacked or anything like that, any potential security threat from the North in the future, but it would serve the dual purpose of keeping us safe from ourselves and this in the interventionist impulses, which at some point in the future, even though we're, we're steadily moving inwards and rejecting the, the warmongering tendencies that have dominated our politics, even though we're rejecting that now, at some point, those tendencies will resurge. And if we have this massive amount of land, it'll protect us against that impulse for intervention. And in a way, it'll protect everyone else, <laughs> everyone else too, because you got to think about the people you're going to be doing the interventions into. If you're that big, why do you need an intervention in Mexico? <laughs> like like they're talking about in the, the GOP right now. It, it serves two purposes. And I think those purposes would serve to create a truly peaceful United States. That's, I truly believe that. And another thing, since we're talking about it, uh, I, it also occurred to me since I recorded last week's episode that Canada's demographic decline may actually enable us to go for the gold and annex them in a more uh, civil <laughs> manner sometime down the line. Because as they age, it'll become more difficult for them to sustain their societal functions, and namely their pension systems. And at a certain point, it might just make more sense or to have a merger with the United States, or even you get a, a Texas situation where there are just more Americans living in Canada than Canadians, which would be crazy. It, it would be crazy to reach that level of depopulation. But unfortunately, a lot of the developed world is heading in that direction. I have my reservations about the collapse, China and even Russia, uh, but China in particular, worst case scenario, they lose a billion people. They're still the second large, they're still the second largest country on the planet in terms of population. And that's ridiculous to think about, but then they're going to have growth. So you're going to drop, you're going to lose a billion people. You're still number two. They're number two now. You're, you still beat out America by a hundred, a hundred million people. And now you're growing again. It's like, well, okay, that's just toxic, but that's the type of, that's the type of security that I want America to have. Like imagine being able to lose a billion people and still be number two in terms of population. Like that's immortality. And that's one of the reasons why India and China are immortal civilizations. Like you have these millions upon millions of people, like China and India had like hundred million plus populations in the ancient world. In the ancient world, like it took Rome to match them in terms of population. We can do the same. We can do the same. And with that level of people, combined with the fact that America is rarely, if ever, in danger of being invaded, uh, I think that as Latin America grows in strength, the possibility will grow, but the rationale may or may not. It, it's something to be seen. It's something to be seen. The new world is definitely something to watch as time goes on. But yeah, I think Brazil, Argentina, and Mexico, they're going to be great powers. And we're going to be next door to a great power, which means that the possibility of being invaded is going to be there. But it's like, okay, well, why exactly would they want to do that? 
And then would it be a good idea for them to do that uh, is another thing. So having this massive population would protect us from uh, the Mexican Mongol. <laughs> Mexican Mongolia. <coughs> but yeah, it's, I think that since uh, civilization is the people that live in it, if you have a billion people, you become immortal. Uh, that that's sort of the artificial mark that I have in my mind. If you have a billion people, you're an immortal civilization, like that. That's the way you sort of purchase. Like you know how you, in games you can do a purchase to reach a certain level in the battle pass. It, yeah, the end of the bat the end of the battle pass is being an immortal civilization, and we can buy it <laughs> by by just getting up to a billion people. Uh, that's the arbitrary number in my mind, and for a number of reasons, I think it will hold true. But yeah, when as Canada ages, and this will be true for Greenland as well, with an even smaller population in Greenland, it might make sense for America to take control of these territories. And Greenland especially, considering that Denmark is going to be in demographic decline, and it'll be harder for them to maintain their linkages and their subsidization of Greenland in a world where they are shrinking as an economy or stagnant as an economy. And where their population is shrinking, which it'll just get harder and harder to hold on to that, that territory. And at a certain point, it might just make more economic sense to take the buyout from America of a trillion, maybe $2 trillion, and just hand the territory to America. And a similar thing might play out with Canada as they age and they start falling off a cliff. And and the, the demographic decline of the, the developed world is truly uh, terrifying when you think when you think about it as people instead of just numbers like these are people whole populations whole peoples that are damn near dying out like ukraine is a foreshadowing for what's to come like people aren't thinking about it because it's a war instead of the slow gradual rapid or rapid in the case of some die out of people because they just got old and died out but Ukraine is a, a foreshadowing for what's to come for the developed world. And I'm not talking about the West. I mean the developed world, the West, East Asia, Southeast Asia, parts of uh, Latin America, some parts of the Middle East, although not a lot. I think the Middle East is going to be the dark horse of this century. But when you look at the, the demographic declines of Canada and even Greenland and Denmark, the, the main countries that we'd be dealing with here for the acquisition of these territories at a certain point it might just make sense to hand them over to america anyway uh, especially if you end up with a, a texas texas style situation in canada where there are just more americans living in canada than there are canadians and at that point sentiments for joining america would be higher by default <clears throat> just like how we talked about uh, Eastern Ukraine, or actually Ukraine as a whole, since the anti-Russian Ukrainians have left in such massive numbers, that increases the relative proportion of the pro-Russian Ukrainians within the country. So as more and more Ukrainians who don't like Russia flee Ukraine, <clears throat> excuse me, that leaves a greater and greater proportion of the pro-Russian population in Ukraine who are going to be more favorable towards a Russian governance of the territory to the point where I don't think there's going to be a partisan war or even an, even many issues with occupation of vast swaths 
of central and parts of Western Ukraine if Russia goes that far. I think they might have to by circumstance, but for similar reasons. But again, it's it's like Texas. When you just have more people of a certain culture living in an area, they're going to be more favorable towards a merger and a union with their home, the country of their home culture. Something similar might play out in Canada. And demographic reasons might incentivize Denmark to take the buyout and sell Greenland to us for a trillion, maybe two trillion dollars. I think it'll happen just off of demographics alone. And that's something that I, I didn't think about when I was making last week's episode. But yeah, you get all that. And once you have that territory, the U.S. government will be forced, essentially, to keep 100% of its focus on us, the American people, and our new Canadian and Greenlandish American brothers. And it, the U.S. government will be forced on properly integrating all of our new territories and states meaning no interventions. And even when they do get the impulse for an intervention or two, uh, the size and scope of America will basically uh, cock them, cock block them from having their interventions because the American public just won't go for it, especially if we have clean elections. <clears throat> but yeah, all that, uh, all that I mentioned, uh, I, I, again, I'm building off of what I said in the third anniversary segment. So if you haven't listened to that one, Go and watch it. Third anniversary episode. You can listen to just the anniversary segment now since I've been releasing each uh, segment that we talk about in the podcast individually, uh, except for the rapid fire. Except for the rapid fire. You, you got to listen to the main one for the rapid fire, but it's at the beginning. So, you know, it bounces up. But yeah, go watch it. Uh, it it's past Wednesday. I release these, these individual segments on every Wednesday. So you should be able to listen to it by itself if you want to. But yeah. I laid out my case, and this is a pretty good addendum to that. So now we'll get into the rest of the news that we have available to us. This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.